Hey there, and welcome to Empower, Uplift, and Transform podcast. I'm your host, Misty Lucas, and I'm a coach who's passionate about working with women who are chronically stressed, continuously feeling unseen, and are playing small in their lives. My intention, my goal is to help women move from just living to thriving in their lives. This podcast is an opportunity to invite you into my world to share my experiences, all the while interviewing some pretty inspiring women. My experiences with a health crisis back in 2011 brought me to a place where I was able to completely shift my perception about how I thought life was meant to be. And it created opportunities for me to see how I was not showing up in the world and sharing my own gifts. I can't wait for you to dive in, listen, and hopefully find a nugget to inspire you to start your own unraveling and change your life to create a life that you deserve and one that you can't wait to start living. Welcome, 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 everyone. I am so super excited for you to join me on this episode of Empower, Uplift, and Transform with our special guest, Christy Corlett. So Christy is a shamanic practitioner, bhakti yogi, writer, and musician. She has been teaching yoga and shamanic journey work in the Celtic tradition for over a decade. She offers one-on-one shamanic healing sessions in person, as well as via phone, email, and Zoom. Her shamanic trainings include shamanic journey work for beginners, power animal and soul retrieval, dancing with fear, and the sacred storehouse. This autumn... She's offering an online earth-inspired yoga teacher training called Singing Earth, the Sacred Dance of Yoga and Shamanism. Christy lives off the grid in the forest near Killaloo, Ontario, where the beautiful wild land speaks to her every day. Christy has her own website, which I'm going to put all the details in the show notes, but I'm just so excited to have her here and share her wisdom. So let's just welcome Christy. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Misty. Yeah, it's beautiful to be here. Yeah, I'm so, so excited. So just reading your bio, I think about all the times that I have been honored to participate in a training that you've offered in doing the one-on-one shamanic work. And I just know the value and the gifts that you offer. So really excited for you just to sort of share some of that wisdom with our with my audience today and letting them know really what it's all about. So if they're curious to reach out to you and to be able to be exposed to your amazing, amazing offers and your new yoga training course in the fall sounds beautiful. Like it just sounds amazing. So we'll touch on that a little bit later too. But just before we dive in, I know I read your bio and I talked a little bit about it, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself and talk to to us a little bit about how your journey began into shamanism. Wow. All right. Hmm. Well, I I am a shamanic practitioner in the community now, and uh, when I started my journey, I didn't know anything about shamanism, shamanic practices. Um, I I found I needed something, and I started seeking because I wasn't uh, well physically. I was suffering with Crohn's disease. I uh, emotionally, I was dealing with anger issues and just, you know, there was some depression that I was also struggling with. I just really felt like there was something missing for me in my life. And um, 
and I had a friend who recommended um, the woman who later became my shamanic teacher, and I went to her as a shamanic practitioner, not knowing at all what to expect, really, and um, that was my introduction to shamanic practice, and in fact, it was so effective over, over time in helping me uh, find my center, in helping me feel heard, and in transforming me as a person that I really wanted to learn how to, how to practice it myself. Um, I was so inspired that I wanted to be able to offer this practice out to others in the community as well. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think a um, couple things that you said, first off is the the seeking part. I feel like there for me, I can totally relate because there was a seeking part due to health issues. And that seems to be sometimes where a lot of people start down that path. And then the other thing you said about when you learned it, you wanted to share it. Cause I just remember that instinctually dropping in for me too, with my yoga, like with yoga. Once I started to do my yoga teacher training, I was, it was like this light bulb of, I have to share this. So it's like such a beautiful way when you're open to see where your life can take you, what can come in. Right. Um, I'm curious though, if, if you could just give some insight for people who, like you, when you first started, had no idea what it was, like what is shamanism or sort of give some insight into what it really, what that means? Wow. And so humbly I say, um, I don't know anything, but I can tell you what I do know. And um, so shamanism is a word that started coming into European use around about the 1690s. But shamanism as a practice, as an earth wisdom practice, may be one of the oldest spiritual practices, not religions, but spiritual practices on the earth. It may stretch back past 10,000 years. It may stretch back as long as 40,000 years into the history of the world in various cultures. And I suppose for me, the underlying concept or principle of of shamanism if we want to use that word is the idea that we are not alone that we're part of um, a cosmos of other ensouled beings and when i say en dash sold like not sold like buy and sell but sold as in the soul that all things have a spark of the divine light in them or all things are sacred and all things therefore have um, have consciousness in that sense um, or well one might debate consciousness but when you're practicing shamanic work for instance one can gain wisdom from a rock a tree a body of water an animal, an insect, um, the sky, the earth, of course, Mama Earth uh, nurtures all. So, um, so in shamanism, the practice of shamanism, there is, um, if we need to get, you know, dualistic and come away from the all is one, which is a very mystical approach, we might say there's ordinary reality where you and I are doing our tasks. We're having this podcast, for instance, in ordinary reality, although that's questionable because I'm over here, right? Um, 
and non-ordinary reality or the shamanic realms are the places where we dive into our deep imagination, uh, where we come into relationship with uh, with the magic, with with the mystery, with um, places where there be dragons. Truly, in non-ordinary reality, we can have a conversation with anything, anything. Uh, it's limitless. And so, not only is it a spiritual practice to come into relationship with what we might call the more than human world, it's a source, uh, the shamanic practice of healing of wisdom finding, of information that is not easily revealed when we're going about our everyday functions. Uh, it requires us to slow down, to listen deeply, and to be open um, to what comes to us, open to what's available to us. So, oh, I'll go on if you don't... Uh, <laughs> no, I love listening. I love, love, love listening. Um, so it really sounds like because I, I feel I feel like there's shifts in the world happening and, and people hopefully are experiencing some of them. But it's that idea of remind I know I speak a lot to my clients and I speak to when I'm doing when I teach yoga or my coaching clients really about that we're all connected, right? Because I feel like we we lose in this ordinary reality, I love how you say that, that ordinary reality, the tasks and the things we can feel so disconnected or alone or isolated. And I feel like over the last couple of years that really there was a light shone on that isolation, right? That, that, and it sounds like the shamanism is a way to come back into tapping into that interconnectedness and really understanding like where our potential lies when we come into that interconnectedness. Is that, was that what I'm hearing? You are hearing that. And, and I love that you brought up the last couple of, of years with, with um, the isolation we've experienced with COVID because we're seeing some pretty serious uh, social issues and, um, and mental health uh, concerns arise for people around that sense of isolation. It's very much magnified. Um, and one of the things, um, just lately, I've been reading a book about um, uh, Jung and Jungian um, psychology, and it dovetails or weaves very beautifully with this in the sense that when we feel alienated, when we feel isolated and alone, that can give rise to um, things like depression, things like anger, things like violence, violence against self or violence uh, against others. And as we both know, we're seeing an escalation of that in, uh, in our culture, particularly in North America, but also elsewhere. And, and one might say, well, we've always had violence with us. It's, it's an aspect of existing on this earth. But um, the other thing that I heard you say is, is that we're reminding ourselves, we're coming back to. So with practices like yoga, um, shamanism, some forms of, of psychology, like interpersonal psychology, we're coming back to, we're reminding ourselves because we forget. And, and I know, Misty, that, that you, um, one of your favorite jams with yoga is the energy body, right? So the layers of who we are. And 
the fact that as humans, we're very much encased in this ego mind complex, right? The ego mind protects us. It helps us function in ev the everyday world, but it also gives rise to things like fear um, and forgetfulness <laughs> that we can rediscover, you know, we can, we can come back and rediscover our interconnectedness. The ego mind functions to remind us that we're separate you know, it, it, it helps us uh, preserve our individuality, but that can be um, very injurious to us as well when we forget that there's interconnectedness um, uh, when, and potential. And potential is so important here. Potential within us for um, sacredness, for receiving grace, for manifesting beautiful, um, creative things song beings dance beings whatever in this world whatever our dreams are in our heart um they're in us and we forget and when we forget which the ego mind helps us do <laughs> we then can become very depleted and exhausted because we may along with that forgetting of our connectedness with all things forget that there's there's unlimited power, unlimited grace already available to us simply by recognizing our nature. And um, I mean, pun on nature, right? Because shamanic work is very much based in uh, the natural world and the wisdom that can be offered us, whether, whether we encounter that on a walk in nature or whether we're sitting down with a drum and rattle and accessing through our deep imagination, um, mm -hmm. that more than human world. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I love how you talk, you brought in ego because it was interesting. I did a workshop and I got a feedback. I always like to get feedback from, from the attendees. And she'd said, I always thought of ego as terrible. And, hmm. and so I talk about ego in that we all need ego. We, ego's not bad, but we want to have a healthy integrated ego and still remember the essence of who we are. So it's that balance. It's finding that interconnectedness and not staying in ego, right? Like, so it is, and it's a practice. I feel like it's work. It's not. So really allowing us to be open to what ego brings us because it does amazing things for us, right? Gets us up. It gets us dressed, right? It, and accessing that essence, that part of who we are. And I always like to think, um, reminding myself of this interconnectedness of there is an answer to every single question or problem that I might be perceiving. It's only my mind that limits me from finding it. So it's coming into the quiet and whether it's in nature, whether it's just quiet, quieting myself. And then I access that information from source, right? From something beyond myself, because the answer is there. But if I'm in ego, I can't hear it. Right. That's how I like to think about it. It's beautiful. And um, when I, I did some shamanic journey work, which is essentially drumming, you can see my drum behind me, drumming uh, with a monotonous beat that allows me to enter a deeply relaxed state. And there I can access, um, access things like answers, access things like I had the question. I went with an intention, of course, and it was, you know, what what would spirit like to be shared for this podcast, you know, for Misty's listeners. And um, 
And that is delving into the deep source of interconnectedness to ask what, you know, what could we as, as two, uh, two people share? And I was shown, first of all, hummingbird showed up, which was, was very interesting to me. And hummingbird is one of the guardian spirits of the place where I live. There are two of them, raven and hummingbird. And so hummingbird um, showed me a raspberry, a raspberry. And um, there is a connection here. So if you look at raspberries on the raspberry bush and you, you go up close to a raspberry and you see how many sections are in that one little fruit on the raspberry and think about how those sections have seeds in them, how many seeds, the infinite number of seeds, and I had to ponder this a bit because I'm like, okay, you show me the raspberry, but what am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> and so if we envision, we think about the raspberry, the fruit of the bush. So the raspberry contains the potential of the plant, just like all fruits do. And it's connected to the stem and the bush and the bush is, this starts to sound like one of those old songs. The bush is connected to, um, to its leaves and its roots in the ground. And the roots in the earth are drawing up all the nutrients from mother earth, all the minerals, the, the water. And they're also connected, of course, you know, there's the fungal network that we've heard a lot about that is almost like this is the, this is the nervous system of the earth that communicates for miles and miles and miles. So this one little raspberry might not seem like much, but there's an infinitude in that raspberry, there's an infinitude of potential. Um, and so that came to that whole idea of how we recognize, for me, it, it brought around, if we are thinking about talking to people um, who are listening to the podcast about their potential, how do they come to that? And if we were even one section, if we thought of ourselves as one section of a raspberry, one section of one fruit on a bush, um, look at all the connections that are there that bring us into contact with everything else. And uh, you might say, Christy, we're not fruits, <laughs> but maybe we are. Maybe we are ripening into our potential. And as we set our feet upon the earth and walk, all the plants and all of the animals um, and the earth herself because of that network of knowingness in her, you know, that, uh, the wonderful, uh, the wonderful uh, threads of the, the fungal network, we're discovering this. So the earth is aware of our every step. And when we start to see things like that, even the smallest, the smallest tiny fruit on a bush has so many connections. When we reflect upon ourselves, we also are connected in this way. We are connected. We're not separate from all that. There's a humbling, a very, very humbling sense. And, and I love that how the ego works into this because we say, yeah, you know, when we, we initially say the word ego, it sounds like somebody's got an ego, you know, somebody's got a problem, you know, they've got an overinflated sense of, of who they are and think they're better than everybody else. But there's also the deflated ego, right? So this is when we are experiencing addiction or when we're experiencing suffering, we can have a deflated ego that thinks it's less than and worse than, you know, tells us we're worse than everyone else. 
Um, and even as that ego protects us, as you say, we have to look at integration to find balance. So where do we come back to that place where our ego is not inflated? We're not greater than all the other creatures on the earth, despite the doctrines of, of many world religions that tell us we have dominion over all the earth. Um, and yet we're not horrible and worse than and separate from and just the worst ever which the deflated ego could could be telling us so when ego comes into balance when we're aware i think the first thing is and Thich Nhat han might say something like this i know i'm suffering so getting back to the beginning of the conversation how did my journey with shamanic work start i recognized that i was suffering and i was most certainly was not ready in that moment to open my heart to my full potential and recognize um the sacredness that i'm i'm carrying within myself and that you're carrying within yourself i was we can't just tell somebody oh you're you're sacred and you contain divine grace and potential and then expect them to go off and happily, you know, skip along the path of their life, right? Uh, so we have to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's and it seems and like circling back to the beginning, just in your story and mine, that it seemed to start in the suffering, and it was in the suffering that I realized, for me, realized how disconnected I was, right? Not seeing myself as that raspberry so yeah I can see myself as it, like when you and I love that I'm like oh my god you were drumming and that came in every morning Christy my husband and I watch the hummingbirds they're right outside um right outside our patio so we have our morning juice and we watch the hummingbirds and it's all above a raspberry bush that's in my garden like so isn't I was that wild I'm like isn't that interesting that what came through right <laughs> Uh, see and so there is this connection right and and hummingbird reminded me to say this morning because i checked back in i got a little more information to juice up our conversation um hummingbird said remember small is beautiful and of course there's a book called small is beautiful but even in the tiniest you know or, or, you know, we'll go the JC, you know, the guy in the seamless cloak and sandals said it had ye the faith of a mustard seed or faith the size of a mustard seed, something so tiny, it's all in there. It's, it's all the potential is there. So no matter how small and alone we think we are, when we begin to rediscover our connectedness with all other things, um, we find out that we're, we've got that. We've got that seed or what we say in, in yoga, we say bij, you know, the bij, um, the essence, the seed. We've got that. We carry that. Um, there are various belief systems or practices and mythologies that, that reflect this. I mean, we see that if you watch uh, uh, some, some presentations on mysticism show you the spiral, the sacred spiral, or they show you fractal designs that, that um, show recurring patterns in, in flowers or in the eye of an insect, for instance. And um, there's just this infinitude in, in, um, in uh, yoga, in um, the system uh, of belief. I won't call it a system because it's too beautiful and, and lovely and fluid. But in Hinduism or Sanatana Dharma, there's the concept of Indra's web in which a web hangs in the heavens and at each intersection of the web is a tiny crystal with many facets. And you could look in that crystal and see yourself reflected 
an infinite number of time. But it also has, you know, it's reflecting everything else around it an infinite number of times. We just can't even imagine the interconnectedness and this web of which we're a part, this web of life and and birth and death. And, and so this is this is kind of where we really get into the mysticism of the shamanic practice. Um, but it's all, it, as we'd said, we can't just, we can't just tell someone you're all that, you know, don't worry, just go off and be happy. You know, somebody listening to this who's suffering might say, well, yeah, I know I'm suffering Christy. And now you're telling me you want me to be soft and open because I'm the divine light. Really? Well, I don't feel like the divine light today. I feel crappy. Or somebody said something really beep to me, you know, uh, we have, we are human and we have these responses and we do experience conflict and um, we do experience feeling like we're not so great and we're not so beautiful and shiny and, and full of divine light. And so one of the, one of the profoundly um, important things I think that I'm discovering, I've, I'm kind of going through a little bit of a spiritual initiation um, this year. And I was studying a course with Krishna Das. And one of the things, uh, one of the concepts that he brought to our mind is we're not victims. We're spiritual aspirants. Isn't that interesting to think of it that way? So you, again, though, you can't just tell someone, oh, you're not a victim because they've experienced something that made them feel victim. So how do we get from there to, you know, to a place of empowerment? And it's, it's our journey. It's why we're here. I mean, it's big. And yet one of the ways to begin to come into our interconnectedness, and this is information I got from, believe it or not, a sandalwood tree in my journey. We need to take the cloak of victimhood and we need to take that cloak off of our shoulders and take its weight, let its weight fall from our shoulders and don the cloak of empowerment dawn the cloak of divine grace and so just like a tree the leaves some leaves have to fall in order for that to happen happen to us so one of the things that's not so wonderful that ego does for us is it it reminds us of things and we get attached and we hang on to things that cause us to suffer and it's it's this kind of like we have to deal with that stuff right like we have to deal with our shit we must move through it so we can't just toss it aside but when we've sucked enough juice out of it and the leaf is withered we have to be able to release it at some point right and so that's the whole healing process so i you know we can't just we can't just tell someone who's you know recognizing we're suffering may be the first thing but then the stuff then we get into the <sighs> yeah i always i always say it's like awareness like that's that's the first piece, right? It's like, sometimes it's just about becoming aware. So it's like just starting. But like you said, you can't just say to somebody, it's not a one and done, right? And I, it's so, it's so fascinating that we're talking about this because I did a workshop last night, actually. And we talked about victim mindset and empowered mindset. And we were looking oh. at what that can mean. Like those were the exact words that were written on the, on the whiteboard, right? So and it's very, and, but coming through that awareness, but it's also about accepting those shadow parts of ourselves, those parts that we push down, those parts that we don't think are so good. So we hide them. We pretend they're not there. 
but it's, it's, it's like loving all parts of who we are. And that's a process, right? And there might be days where you struggle with that and that's okay, right? Like I was saying to my husband this morning, I have had a rough week. I've had a really, like I had one of my lowest days that I haven't had probably in months and months. And when I noticed it, I just allowed myself to be in it. I did restorative yoga. I gave myself grace. I rested. I didn't, I came out of judgment because it was a couple of days that I was in it. First day was all about judging myself. (laughs) It was all push myself, judge, right? Falling into an old pattern. But then it was like, no, it was like, and the next day, and then by the evening, it had lifted. It lifted for me. And it was like, I could breathe again, right? But it's like, and that is like you said, that's our journey, right? That's life. It's not one and done, but the power is in our awareness and being open to finding that reconnection, right? Like I was on the earth. I was in the woods. I was like just reconnecting because for some, something shifted in me, something happened And I got in my head and I was like, it brought me down. It really weighed on me. And then I was like, that's okay. I'm here. This is a part of it. And I allowed myself to be in it as opposed to just tucking it away. I feel like that. It was so interesting that that was happening this week and we're talking. So really, that's why I wanted to share that. Um, But it was tapping back into earth, tapping back into spirit, tapping into my essence is what brought me back through and lifted me back up because I have those tools. I'm, I'm grateful for those tools, for the, the things I've learned. And so I feel like the work that you do offers that starting point for people. Would you say that, that you're that starting point? Like people could come to you to sort of begin tapping in to that source in themselves? One of those many doors that is, uh, that is round and open, you know, I'm going to, can I read? It's super short. It is a poem by Rumi and I know you know it. It's, um, let me just find it here. So the breeze at dawn, and this is a wonderful springboard for exactly what you talked about, right? So the breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. Mm. It's such a lovely piece. And and, uh, my shamanic teacher always read that to us when she was teaching us. And and it, it always reminds me of her. The possibility is there. And the sandalwood tree that I was speaking to talked about imagine that even and by the way i'm so inspired that you shared it's like it doesn't matter if you're the most amazing uh yogi and life coach as you are my dear you still are human and you and i and and all of us have shitty days we have difficult days um where we just feel heavy sometimes and so what the sandalwood tree was talking about was cultivating that seed 
with our will and our desire to become gardeners, to nurture that seed of our potential, just like you say, you, you have the tools, you've got everything in there that, that you can access. And maybe part of our nurturing and our gardening and caretaking of self is to discover what those tools are. So as a practitioner, I might be one of the, one of the many um, co-walkers, you know, co-walker beings on this earth. We walk our path together and we walk each other home. I might be one of those many round and open doors by which, you know, you can begin to discover possible ways and means of, of reawakening your passion for nurturing self, for recognizing how, um, how divine in your light and your shadow you are. Um, so Tree said, and this is interesting, I want to see if I can follow this and stay focused. Um, so if we were to nurture that seed in ourselves, or one of the many seeds perhaps in ourselves, and we begin to find, first we might become aware of the things that, that make us suffer, but in equal measure, the things that that bring us joy. The things, the recognition of grace, as you said, grace is, is not something that we earn. Spirit is inside us, sources inside us and carries grace just in our potential. It's something that's always already available to us. So imagine we're cultivating also those things that bring us joy in noticing the things that bring us sorrow. In the Celtic tradition, we talk about cauldrons, their energy areas like the chakras, and, and those cauldrons can be moved and turned and aligned by sorrow and joy, by strong emotion. So when we recognize what brings us joy, we might recognize that we're suffering, but we could also say, hey, I did something really amazing today. I communed with the hummingbirds. Uh, during my morning juicing, my morning coffee, I walked in the woods and touched the earth with my feet. I kissed the earth with my feet. One thing. And we begin watering and nurturing those things in us that, that remind us of um, that peaceful place inside. Then Tree said, maybe we begin to welcome that part of ourself that as a sort of a, an honored guest that we love to visit with. And maybe if we keep practicing, and the word practice is key, maybe that inner sacredness becomes a member of the family for us, that it's an everyday thing that we start to recognize that we are sacred. And then as we continue to practice, perhaps we begin to recognize truly knowing rather than intellectually speaking of it, that divinity, that sacredness is us. We are sacred. And it's it's like cozying up to this, right? Same thing as when we cozy up to our fear or we cozy up to our anger to kind of get to know what's what's going on with that shadow. We can also cozy up. We might even be more resistant to cozying up to our divine light because we think, well, that's ego. You can't say that you're one with the divine gods. God's up here. And maybe a teacher like Tom Cowan, who's a shamanic teacher, might say, mm -mm. <laughs> God's down here. Yeah, I mean, the shamanic practice is an opportunity we can begin with recognizing our suffering. And then we can begin with finding ways to bring energy in that allows us to feel stronger and more able to become vulnerable again. Because when we are able to be keep that door round and open, to be um, a channel for the beautiful things 
that that flow through us, um, then we can start to heal and we can start to recognize our our interconnectedness with others. And we can see that as we practice and find it in ourselves, we can see that in the eyes of others. When we sit with them, we can walk the path with them and we have more resources. So, I mean, I think about our A-type personalities, you know, the ones who are the, they're, they're caring for senior parents. They are maybe an executive or a business owner. They've got three kids and five dogs in there, you know, and, and a house to take care of and everything else. And perhaps even those people that say they don't have time for self-care might understand that they can be more efficient if they charged up the battery. And that's just another metaphor for, you know, for finding spaciousness within ourselves and getting to a place where we can be feel empowered again in being soft and open rather than having to toughen our hearts and toughen ourselves. Hmm. I always love talking to you, Christy. Like I have no doubt that anybody who's listening has taken just like that message of how connected and how divine each of us are and being able to maybe I just, my intention, my hope is that it just strikes that inner curiosity to go a little deeper. Like what's your next step? Thinking about what your next step is, right? That's anytime I speak with you, it's just like, it just brings me back in and reminds me and hopefully inspiring someone to take that next step. What I would love, I could talk to you all day, (laughs) but what I would love is your, if you could share a little bit about this new yoga teacher training you're offering in the fall. I believe it's new, right? Is it new? Um, or tell us a little it's bit about new. that. I mean, what it is, is it's kind of a rebirthing of a course that I was offering for David Tree School of Yoga. Um, that was a hundred hour course in yoga and shamanism and sort of that, the dance between the two. So walking that that beautiful winding path. And so Singing Earth is a, a, a distillation of some of those teachings. We're very much focused on the nature-based teachings and how we can um, how we can dance those through our yoga teaching. So it's a yoga teacher training. It's 35 hours, so manageable in terms of time. And we explore um, the elements, we explore the directions of our lives as they're seen through the shamanic lens, but then how can we joyfully bring that into, into our yoga teaching, bring it to the mat so that we can share it with our students? Um, what, what does the earth, uh, say to us that we can share and, and inspire our students to experience? So not only time in nature, but also through song, I mean, the earth has a has a song, a beautiful song that she sings, and each of us will hear it differently through all of those conduits, right? So through every sense threshold, um, and it weaves in Celtic teachings. Um, not only do we talk about the chakras, but we also talk about the cauldrons, the Celtic cauldrons, and how that's related to our sense thresholds and how the soul enters through the sense thresholds and we learn the teachings and wisdom of nature and then bring that back into our yoga practice, expressing it in postures, in story, uh, in breath practice. So it's it's um, an, a very integrated training 
uh, for yoga teachers, but not only for yoga teachers. Um, it, you can get a Yoga Alliance uh, continuing education uh, credit. Well, it's 35 hours, right, for a continuing education. But it's also available to anyone in the community. They just have to be open to uh, to teaching a little yoga, which isn't as scary as it sounds if you're if you're a practicing yogi but never taught, because you'll be supported by others who are experienced teachers, and it's really about bringing your creativity, you know, bringing that potential to the mat. So sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Is it question? Is it online or in person? This year it's online. Um, because I wasn't sure where things were going with the flow of our waves of COVID and because um, Yoga Alliance is still allowing online until I think December of 2023. So it allows people who are far away to take the course as well. We might have someone, for instance, from Malta who's going to take the course this year with us. Um, And in future question mark it might be possible to offer it here in the Madawaska Valley and if people want to do a, a retreat weekend or something you know yeah amazing so, amazing and I will put all those details into the show notes I'll put that all so people can find it and see and check it out um, and how to contact you and learn more about you so I'm excited to have that for them and just to wrap it up I always love my guests to share like what's one thing that you play with or explore, just like when you're in that stress state, when you're maybe, or we talked about feeling heavy, how do you, what's fun or playful that you pull yourself out of that? Mm, Song, definitely song for me. Um, I love chanting. I'm a bhakti yogi. So um, if it's not mantra, but it could be a nature song or it could be any song, you know, just uh, sometimes if we can get using our voice and raising our vibration that way, it can lift our mood incredibly, or it can give our mind something to focus on that lovely nurturing ego mind that's protecting us, but it, it gets it out of the loop of focusing on, um, whatever the stressor is. And sometimes then it opens us up to like just singing or chanting can open us up to, as you say, the, the answer or solution or insight that we need uh, Mm -hmm. to, to move forward, to bust out of the, the stress shell or the, the confusion. Yeah. (sighs) Thank you so much, Christy, for joining me today. It's been so amazing to have you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and having this conversation with me. And uh, you're a gift. You are such a gift. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me, Misty. What a joy to be here. Do you celebrate all the wins in your life, no matter how big or small? I know I sure do. And so in this moment, I'm celebrating you for finishing another podcast episode and soaking up new ways to empower, transform, and uplift your life. Want to grab the show notes and all the links talked about in today's podcast? Well, you're going to find those in the episode's description, along with a link to join my Facebook community, Supporting Resilient Women. In this group, I share even more insight, tips, and tools to live your best life. Until we meet again, my friend, and to your dreams.